This is the School Success Podcast, a podcast for school leaders to learn from other school leaders what's working and what's not, and to get inspiration and encouragement, as well as strategies to grow school enrollment, connect with families, retain teachers, recruit teachers, and everything in between. You guys are heroes, and I cannot thank you enough for pouring into this next generation that's coming behind us. My goal is you will take at least one thing away from every episode that you can take back to your school to make it better than it is right now. Please enjoy the School Success Podcast. Hey, School Success Makers, welcome to another edition of the School Success Podcast. I'm your host, Mitchell Slater, and I'm joined by a new friend, Scott Barron, out of the great city of Atlanta. He heads up a company called School Growth, and we're going to dive into all of those things here in just a few minutes. But before we do, we do want to highlight our amazing sponsors over at America's Christian Credit Union. This year, they're celebrating 65 years of service, and they provide essential school banking services and a tuition financing program for schools looking to reduce their risk and administrative burden. You can check out all those things on their website, americaschristiancu.com forward slash schools. That's americaschristiancu.com forward slash schools. You guys have heard this before, but my favorite part is if you're a Christian school and you're having to chase people throughout the year to get tuition paid to you, that is owed to you. And maybe at the end of the year, you've only gotten 95% or even 98% of the total tuition that's owed to you. Best solution, it doesn't cost you anything. Go to America's Christian Credit Union, set up an account with them, and you can have your families get a tuition financing loan through them. And then you get your money up front as a school at the beginning of the year. You don't have to get monthly payments. And then you can just manage your money on your own, not worry about chasing people. And then they pay America's Christian Credit Union. It's a win-win for everybody involved, and it doesn't cost your school anything. So go check it out at americaschristiancu.com forward slash schools. All right, well, as we jump into today's episode, I'm going to pass it off to Scott and introduce himself, but he goes by a certain title, a title that actually I haven't heard of before, and it's on his LinkedIn. It's yes. Reinvention Officer, I believe it is, Scott. So I want to hear it is. your story. What is that? Yeah, well, you know, we love educators and we love helping them uh, accomplish their goals and, and and answer the calling to this work because it's exciting. And, and so sometimes that requires learning how to reinvent yourself. And we've learned that that's an important journey for schools as well as educators. And so, you know, as, as I was starting this company, we wanted to be very clear about what we do. And so we, we, we called the company School Growth, right? Because we grow schools and the people who have the courage to lead them. And we, we get to, you know, it was, it was sort of my company, so I get to pick my title. And so I wanted it to be something that popped a little bit. And it was, it's, it's chief reinvention officer. It's really helping schools as well as education leaders uh, figure out how to choose their, their ideal path in life. Right? And, and sometimes we go through challenges, we go through sometimes disruptions and and sometimes we have to kind of change our story and change who we are. And, and that's sort of the joy of the work is giving them a pathway to do that and, and loving them through that journey together. I love it. I love it. Well, now I'm thinking I should re rename my title instead of, of CEO. I should be uh, SSO and be a school success officer. You know? Hey, there you go. Absolutely. <laughs> 
I like it. I like it. Well, I always start with the same kind of basic question to get started, Scott. Is just, if I was to come to Atlanta, which is it's where you're you're living, where you're from, if we were yeah. to do something fun, you're like, Mitchell, you got to say, you got to do this to experience Atlanta. What would you say right. I need to do to experience everything the area has to offer? Oh boy, you know, Atlanta is has become such a diverse community, and and so you know, we we we're kind of up on the north side towards the mountains of North Georgia. We get to. to fly out of the Atlanta airport, which is a beautiful thing. Of course, when people talk about Atlanta, usually it's the airport. And, and sometimes that's said with not the best tone of voice, it's the Atlanta airport, right? You know, it's, it's not, it's not very positive, but you know, the, the great thing about the airport is you get, for us, you get direct flights everywhere. There's no layovers, right? It doesn't matter if you're going to any of the States or to South America or Europe or other places. So that's, that's kind of convenient for someone who travels a lot. And we get, of course, to travel, my wife and I travel about 46 weeks out of the year, but, you know, trying to being where the educators are, speaking at conferences and 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 with faculty and and leading retreats with different leadership teams and boards and helping them figure it out, right? I mean, that's that's part of the journey. So so Atlanta, you got to go to a Braves game, especially especially these last few years. It's been it's been kind of fun to be a Braves fan. So I think they they've now won the pennant six years in a row now after you know, doing the same thing back in the the, the, the 90s. And so it's kind of cool to be a Braves fan. Now, if they could just get to the World Series, that would be beautiful. But we'll see how that goes. But we love going to Braves games. And so I, I would say that's that's a great thing to do. Going to the aquarium is another thing. The world of Coke. And, of course, the, the Civil Rights Museum, so the other things that are here is, is really cool as well. So there's a lot, a lot, of, a lot of story ar- around Atlanta. Okay. Well, I love it. I'll write all those down. The only thing I've done really in Atlanta that I remember is I have been to the the, the old Georgia Dome and um, it was a few years ago. I would walk to the old Olympics area that they had yeah. back in, was that late 90s, 98 or something? It was 94. 94, yeah. And so yeah. I walked that and then went to a, a college, it's a Chick-fil-A bowl. I remember it was a bowl, a college yes. bowl game. We could watch Duke, Texas A&M when Johnny Football was playing for Texas A&M. And that was super fun. I was just in Good love. memories. Well, as we, we dive in, I would love to hear a little bit about your, yourself. I know you kind of already mentioned it, but your, your title, your company, but mm-hmm. let's dive into the, the school growth specifically and how you, why you started it, how you started it and kind of how, where you started and where you got to today. Yeah. So I, I got involved in education, really. Uh, I ended up kind of making a deal one night in August of 97 and, and, and didn't know what I was kind of stepping into. Sometimes, as they say, you have to be careful what you pray for. <laughs> and so I, I ended up a few months later running a school. It was just not part of the journey that was planned at all, but began to, to do that. And and really developed a passion for education leadership. Before that, I was running an education technology company. And so had gone into the tech field and for about 10 years worked in you know, different forms of, of you know, systems design and, and, and developing solutions. And then, and then got involved in education leadership and, and then went to Johns Hopkins, got a master's of education, learned how to, how to run a school. And it was just fascinating to, you know, to work with, you know, with, with faculty and with parents and with students and athletics and arts and, you know, just I, I, I come from a long, long line of, edu- of teachers and preachers. Right. And so, so I've kind of been a part of, of an education background genetically. And so it was a natural, a natural passion for sure. And my mother and my sister and my father were all were involved in, in, in either in teaching or in, in, in church leadership. So, so anyway, I did that in, in Maryland and in Texas and then in Georgia was ahead of three different private schools and, and helped them 
develop a, you know, a, a clarity around their mission and their purpose and, and grow the school in terms of enrollment and economically, et cetera. And, and then it, I decided that, you know, from that experience, I, I had learned so much of what I had applied in my education leadership and growing their sco- these schools. I learned really as an entrepreneur and, and not in the school of education. And so, you know, a lot of it was how to run a business, right? You had a, how to have that entrepreneurial mindset, how to build a team and, and how to then create a culture. And so what I wanted to then bring to educa- other education leaders is some of those things that they, they don't teach you in the, in the, in the master's or the doctoral program. There's, and, and so what, that's what we've been doing is, is innovating on how do you grow schools? How do you grow schools in a, in, in kind of, we started this this effort in back in 2008. So it's, it's you know we've been doing this now for about uh, 15 years, and it's it's been fascinating to learn. We we work with a, a broad range of schools across nearly every genre of education. So you know mostly in, in private ed because of they they have to compete. They have to figure out how to be successful. You know they're not running you know some that some of the, you know, like a, like a, a, a public school or others where there's, there's more of a government, you know, constraints and bureaucracy, et cetera. So we started there just because there's market impetus to compete and to grow. I have done some, some work with private and public schools as well. And, and then we've been sharing a lot of encouragement to, to public school educators because that's where 91% of educators are. And so if, if you're going to love on educators, you kind of have to, you know, have a presence there also. So, so both through school growth, which is our, our, our for-profit where we provide you know, training and, and planning and support services through our school growth network with, where schools join and we, we, we help them figure out, sometimes it's figure out, you know, how did we get here? What, what was it? What were the decisions that got us to this point? And then how do we kind of get out of this mess? You know, how do we reinvent ourselves, as we said? And, and others is how do we build on our success? I mean, there's different, they all come from different backgrounds and stories. And so being able to work with a wide range of, of schools, day schools, boarding schools, military schools, faith-based schools, secular schools, you know, different, all different d- denominations. And, and we get to cross-pollinate the ideas across some of those and, and just be an encouragement to them, you know, encouraging them in the calling to this work because education's hard. And it's something that a lot of folks that are outside of the space highly underestimate just how complex school leadership is, but also just, you know, even, even sometimes in, you know, for high school educators, raising somebody else's teenagers, I mean, that's, that's hard, you know, you're going through all these different phases. And, and so what we work, what we provide is a pathway to not only growing their school, but also finding greater joy in the work. Because this is a calling, it is a noble calling first, and 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 that's that's an important point to make, because if you look at social media or the public dialogue around education, it's fairly demeaning. I mean, there's a lot of derogatory, even just nasty things that people say about educators, and and you know it's it, it they these these are people who highly underestimate just how complex schools are. And the the implications that are involved are, are, are things that, you know, the schools change our society. Change, they, they give us the, the foundation of being able to, to you know, support our, 
our democracy and or you know in, in across other types of, of countries and and systems there's you know education is fundamental to quality of life and, and to sustaining their their culture and in in the United States particularly there is such a negative tone towards educators and so we've really tried to to build them up and encourage them in the work and as well as in their faith is is you know helping them also explore providing conversations and and content and, and community through our nonprofit educators fellowship is providing some of those those connections uh, to just just to kind of be there walking with the educators that are in all across all those different spaces and you know again preschool k-12 higher ed and even even organizations that provide you know products and services to schools all of them can be a part of our network and so we help them develop their strategy and but again, find find some 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 ways of, of loving and leading their people, right? and that's that's the name of the book that we published, "Love Them and Lead Them." But it's it's that idea that hey, the calling to this it's not just about running a curriculum, it's not just about running the school or about technology or buildings or other things. It's about relationships, right? And that's and, and knowing how to build sustained relationships, even through conflict, even through the turmoil that comes and the, all the emotions that come with education. Knowing how to sustain those relationships and trust is a vital part of school leadership and, and is, is something that requires a level of wisdom and emotional maturity and intelligence that, you know, not everybody comes with that. And so we, we try to provide the, the, the support and the resources to, to, to build that up, to build that capacity as well as in the board, in the leadership team, in the faculty, you know, the whole system. And, and then execute that on, on that with authenticity. And that's a very important part of what we do. Man, and it's a high calling. And I love that your background is in education, your family, yeah. all that stuff to do what you're doing. And so I'd love to just dive into your expertise, Scott, for what you where you've come and what you've where you've gotten to. And so if we talk about the schools that you work with, I'm sure you've seen majority of just challenges over and over again that they're up against. And I know there's many, there's it's vast, but if you were to pick a few to just kind of talk about right now that some of the listeners are probably listening going, man, I have those challenges too, but like, how, how do I get through those challenges? What do I use to combat those challenges? What are some of the ones you continue to see come up that maybe are super toxic for schools right now? <laughs> uh, even this, this week, uh, I've had multiple uh, executive coaching sessions with heads that are dealing with so much conflict. Uh, and, and sometimes that's conflict that they're resolving with their, with their with some board members or with parents or, or usually some combination. Sometimes there's conflicts of interest involved. Sometimes there's just irresponsible behavior involved, you know, what, you know, one of the things that you know about leadership is you're going to encounter conflict. That's, that's not like a, a burden that some have to bear. That's life. And, and so we're not a victim of that. We, we, we are called to this and we have to accept that as part of the journey. And, you know, some, a lot of the problems that, especially in the United States that we're dealing with in our schools, these are still first world problems. I mean, we're not dealing with some of the, we're not running a school in Ukraine. We're not running a school in, in the middle of a war. We're not running, we're not helping families recover from recently. There was some, a lot of flooding over in Libya. We're not, we're not dealing with a lot of these situations. This, these are fairly manageable. I mean, come on. Right. And so it's one of those things where, you know, 
conflict is inevitable. Jesus dealt with conflict constantly and provided a lot of, of, of modeling of what that, how, how do you handle that? How do you, how do you learn to let it go? It is that, that I know our elementary teachers who may be listening to this know that song from Frozen, right? Let it go, let it go, right? And in an education space, the ability to navigate through conflict, number one, to accept it as part of the journey and, and recognize that wisdom is always revealed in conflict. If you go back and read scripture, when, when uh, Moses was tested, when, when Solomon was tested, when Paul was, Paul was tested, it was always in conflict. And that's where you really grow as a leader is in those moments where you're able to step up with a, with a, with a strong faith, intelligence, and a responsiveness that allows you to solve the problem. And, and you're, not, you're not moving away from it because one of the things we know about conflict is conflict avoided is not conflict healed. Mm. Right? You can't run from it. You have to step into it. You have to, and when I say step, I mean step into the moment, not step into it. Step into the moment and 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 own it and and lead through it. Sometimes that requires an acknowledgement that we messed up. I mean, we 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 thought something was going to work and we didn't. And in education, we sometimes have an educational arrogance where we're not willing to be vulnerable to say, Hey, I'm sorry. Right. You're right. That didn't work. Right. So, you know, one of the, one of the freedoms that you have, especially in, cause I think your listeners, a lot of them are Christian school administrators. And so one of the beautiful things you have is to say, Hey, this is a Christian school. It's not heaven. You have not been perfected yet. So having an attitude within our leadership, as well as within our faculty, that we're willing to listen, we're willing to engage in relationship. We're going to have situations where we have to go back and say, hey, I'm sorry, or hey, let's, let's fix this, right? Because we have conflicting expectations or, or outcomes, or, or sometimes we just have Poor behavior, right? And so we're not in any type of school, especially where you have, you know, in a K-12 school, you're not just raising students. You're 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 not just helping students grow. You're also helping your your faculty, all, all of your employees grow. You're also helping parents grow. That's that's a core part of your work of your ministry through this education process is helping, you know, all, all ships rise, shall we say. So part of that journey is knowing how to resolve conflict. And I think it's one of the biggest things that our that, that educators are dealing with is how do you do that in a way that that heals and restores where we are those peacemakers, where we do have, you know, that 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 spirit that, that you know, as, as Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount of that poor in spirit, right? which means we, we remember how much we've been forgiven. So we're willing to forgive. Of of course. I mean, how, how could I not, right? Because of how much I've been forgiven. And that's a, that's a thing that, you know, there's a, sometimes there's an appeal in, 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 in Christian schools to Matthew 18, right? You know, the verses, right? There's these three verses where Jesus gives direction about how to resolve conflict. But if you see those three verses on their own, which typically happens, we pull out those three verses 
And we forget about the rest of the chapter there, which of course Jesus didn't speak in chapters, but there was a, there were some parables that were associated with kind of a wraparound with this, right? And those parables are not about justice. Those parables are about forgiveness. And he wraps up Matthew 18 with very clear statement that says, paraphrased, you will be forgiven how you forgive. And in an American theology, too often we kind of go down a, a very dangerous path of, well, I can forgive, but I can't right, forget. And, and, and that's, a, that's a real, that's not just a subtle nuance. That's a major problem because when, when, you know, Mitchell, when you and I show up before Jesus at the end of time, I for sure don't want him to look at me and say, well, Scott, I can forgive, but I can't forget, right? I, I want it to be like, like David wrote where he takes our sins and casts them as far as the east is from the west. Right. I want total forgiveness. I want infinite forgiveness. I, I, I mean, because otherwise I'm in trouble. Right. And so so what we have to recognize is as as educators, particularly as Christian educators, because we've had the audacity to put Jesus's name on this. Right. And and sometimes our schools can be stuck in and in, in, in really mired in, in ungrace and in unforgiveness because we've forgotten to forget. Okay? And if you forget that, man, that is, that's not cool. That's not cool at all because you've, you've gone against right. What, what Jesus gave us very explicit direction of, of, of our, calling to forgive and, and, and move on, forget it, not see people through the lens of those things. Because in education, we're going to deal with people who are, can be really nasty. And a lot of Christians, unfortunately, a lot of Christians during the, the years of, of, of COVID, the peak you know, response to that, many of them compromised and lost their testimony over masks and vaccines. Wait. You were willing to give all that up over that? Really? I mean, that's a that's a pretty significant sacrifice to make, right? Because in the end, our, our colleague isn't to get outraged about some of these things that are going on in, in, in society and in, in the political world. Our calling is to love people and to build relationships with people. And when we make our mission field our enemy, We've already lost, mm. right? And that's so, so knowing how to wisely and respectfully navigate conflict is a vital part of school leadership today. Hey, school success makers, just a really quick break to highlight one of our amazing sponsors, and that is ClassReach. Now, ClassReach supports schools of all sizes from application to graduation. Take charge of your school with ease, power, and mobility using ClassReach, the school management software administrators and teachers love using. You can get your free demo at ClassReach.com. That's ClassReach.com. They are amazing people, and they provide this amazing SIS software for you to keep track of your students' grades, communicating with families that are enrolled, and a whole bunch more. So again, check it all out on their website, ClassReach.com. They are awesome. All right, now back to the show. 
So good. And you're dealing with, I mean, think about it. obviously you have parents involved, of course, and families, but we're dealing with kids, you know, and like absolutely you know, saying if you know kids will be kids, and of course that's it's a huge piece of it. But I know like when <laughs> like we have a four-year-old, you know, and so I know we've had people that will say, like, oh man, he he's getting he gets so upset or he gets so riled up on stuff. And I'm like, yeah, he's he's four. And actually just turned four two days ago, you know. So he's like, he really was three. And in my head, the way we've kind of talked about it is a lot of the things he'll do, we'll say, what's well, developmentally normal. And so I'll say that for so many different age groups too, of like, oh, that kids did, did this or is doing that. I'm like, yeah, but that's also super developmentally normal that they're doing. It doesn't mean it's sure. right. It doesn't mean that it's not frustrating or, you know, makes you upset or mad, but it's also, they're, they're a child that's growing and learning. And so if that handling conflict some of the conflict you might have to go against is it is developmentally normal, but we still need to know how to, to handle it and to talk through it, talk to families about it and deal with it and also right. prepare our hearts for dealing with it too. So I, I love that you, you touched on that. Is there something that you would recommend these families or these teachers listening, school leaders listening to help with that? Is there a, is there a podcast, a book, some blogs, mm. anything that you would specifically say, Hey, I'll go read this. This might really help or listen to this. Sure. Well, I mean, there are some really good materials out you know, that are available on knowing how to negotiate. We we will all, we teach in a lot of our sessions and our coaching sessions negotiation skills, like the book "Getting to Yes," learning how to negotiate not based on win lose, but finding shared principles and knowing how to to make the best decision, not a compromise decision. Compromise decisions are not always the best decision. So, knowing how to make the best decision. In, in light of our mission and our culture and our goals, right? Another one, of course, is you know, crucial conversations, knowing how to have and, and, and practice doing things. One of our one of our members, uh, a woman who's a head of school, you know, she she really kind of came into this this role leading a school unprepared for a lot of the conflict. And so as we as we began working together, she really had to develop that executive presence that she, people could would trust her and they would see her as the leader and 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 she knew how to 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 negotiate to find ways of of resolving conflict in ways that didn't get overwhelming but you know you were willing to have sometimes those those hard conversations in love because accountability without love is just adult bullying Right. So, so what we're looking for, and so she had to grow into that. And, and I'll never forget one time she said, after she kind of been growing into this and learning how to do this, she said, you know, what's interesting about hard conversations is it never gets easy, but the more you do it, the easier it gets. Right. And so, but I, I'm telling you, I watched this, I've watched this woman blossom into an incredible leader who knows how to establish a, a set of expectations and a vision, who knows how to define culture as well as provide accountability on culture, right? Because, because you know, you talked about what was developmentally appropriate. So tell me about that 44-year-old who's having a temper tantrum in your office and calling you all kinds of names, right, after you've helped them kind of see some realities and is blaming every other kid and every other parent for their issues, right? That's the hard part about school leadership, Mitchell, that most who have never sat in that seat highly, highly underestimate mm -hmm. is, is in, your, in your work and in my work, I may make now 
three emotional decisions a year, right? And that may have to deal with like a, a client situation or an employee or something else. But when I was a head of school, and, and this is true of anybody who's in a leadership role in a school, you make three emotional decisions at least a day, a day. And so the, that, that, those decisions and those conflicts, it, it wears you down. And, and that's the part that, and, and you're sitting across from people who, you know, you're trying to do your best for them and they're out gossiping against you and they're out making all kinds of accusations and they're sitting right here across from you, threatening you with an attorney and, and all these other things, a lawsuit and this other stuff. And, and, and yet you still have to forgive them. And yet you still have to move on and you still have to love them and you still have to love their kids and, and, and be a part of their lives. Right. And I mean, that's a level of emotional intelligence and maturity that a lot of people don't, they don't have number one, number two, they've never been put in that situation to be tested in such a manner. Right. And so part of what you, we we have to be aware of in school leadership is that those pressures are real, and 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 that's one of the things. One of the things that we explain, by the way, to a lot of board members and policymakers and and others that are not involved in school leadership, is that K twelve schools, particularly even PK twelve schools, are some of the most complex organizations in our economy, hmm. and and they're they're complex based on on seven particular factors. And one of those is that our customers are emotionally bonded to our employees, right? So, and that one thing, it changes so much and influences so much about what happens in education. Because when we hire somebody, we're not just putting them on the payroll, right? This is not like other companies where, what, what do we, what, there's a slogan we use in business, right? It says, Hire slow, fire fast, right? So you, you do your best. You, if, if you, but, but if they don't work out, let them go, move on, right? But in schools, we can't do that, you see, because when we make these decisions, we're, we're not just putting them on the payroll. We're actually connecting them into an emotional ecosystem. And there, there's roots and there's connections. And so... When they, as they build a relationship with their teacher or their coach or whatever, now if I decide that, oh, this is not working out, I'm not just taking them off the payroll. I'm ripping them out of an emotional ecosystem, right? And there's a lot of pressures to not do that. There's a lot of, so, so what you see happen in a lot of situations is there's, there's compromise. There's like, you know, I, I don't want to deal with all those upset parents and kids or whatever, right? Even though I know this teacher, they love, they may love this situation, this person or whatever, but they're, they're, they're either very, very difficult to, to, with them to work, or perhaps they're not even good at their job, but, but they, but these, these families really love this person. And it's difficult for me to explain why, no, this is this is not this is not working. This is not the right person, and so a lot of administrators will just say, you know, I'm gonna let it slide. I'm gonna, I'm gonna you know, I'll make and some some of the most unethical, immoral decisions made in education, they're personnel related. Hmm. 
because we're willing to make compromises because of the nature of those relationships and those connections. Because in the school world, by the way, if we decide to let somebody go, if we decide we're not going to renew them for next school year, we are the only industry that I know of that would say, hey, Mitchell, I'm not going to have you back next year. But hey, I'm going to let you go ahead and work with our families, with our customers for a couple of months, right? So, so go ahead and just ruin our culture, right? Ruin the relationship, have at it, right? And then at the end of the school year, we'll just kind of part ways. Nobody does that. If you were to let somebody go from your company, most of the time that would be a very, fairly immediate decision. You're not going to deal with that long-term consequence, right? But in schools, even though it's not a, it's not a, it's not a, a law, it's not sort of mandated, but we, there is a industry-wide practice of doing that, of notifying someone, say, in, in April or, or even March, that, hey, we're not going to have you back next year, but finish out this year. You know, you know, just poison my culture. Have at it, right? And that causes less quality decisions, we'll say. Yeah, and it's, it's one, dangerous, but two, you know, you think about not just the K-12 private Christian school world, but even just the public school world, teacher shortages are such a real thing and people are having a hard Absolutely. time. So you're going to go, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm just going to keep them because you know what? What if we get rid of them? We can't get anybody. It's like, well, that person is destroying the culture. It's harming kids because they're not really good at the connecting with the kids. There's all these different things that makes you right. even more so. Oh no, this is bad. bad, bad. Right. Holy smokes. All right. Well, this, yeah. we talked on that one really, really well. And I don't want to be cut short on time. So I want to go into yeah. what would you give is like a, what's going really good. If there's something you you've seen in a school going, man, if every school could just copy this one thing I saw this school do or multiple of these schools do, what would be something that's going really good that you'd like to share? For sure. It would be on building culture. And, and that does tie back to making better decisions around personnel, building the team, because our, my job as an administrator isn't just to employ educators, is to employ the right educators, right? The ones who really want our mission and get our mission, the ones who also have the behavioral standards. And that's, that's a vital part of creating culture is, is, is having sort of a common sense and having agreement for across the, the board of how we're going to interact with each other and our, our norms, our behavioral norms together and having, you know, teaching through those, coaching through those and having accountability as well for those norms. That's a, that's really a powerful advantage is if you, if you can elevate the quality of your, of your culture and your people to the point that there is a very high level of consistency, it is a, it is, a, it, is a, it is a sustainable competitive advantage, right? Now my culture becomes really a, a vital part of my value proposition. It's, it's, in other words, when my families experience my school, it doesn't vary person to person, day to day, classroom to classroom. Right. There's a there is a consistency of how we interact, of of, of expectations, of of how we solve problems. Right. There's there is such a high level of people that that quite frankly, people then become willing to say, "Hey, I'm not I'm not asking the question, how can I afford your school? I'm actually asking the question, how can I not afford your school? Right. Because I mean, what you guys are doing is so incredible that I not only want to pay you to have my kids at your school, but 
but I, I'd pay you to be my friend. I want to hang around with you guys. I want to be, I want to be a part of this because there's such a joy you have in the work. There's such a powerful and palpable experience here that I, I want to be a part of this. I want my family here. I, I'll bring my friends here. Right. And so the, the, the biggest, the thing that's working really well is, is being radically committed to culture is establishing those cultural expectations, usually expressed as core values, having a clear way of communicating expectations for those core values, often using some form of a rubric that defines what that would look like. And then again, having a, a commitment from the leadership at the top, from the board all the way down that says, now this is who we are. And we're going to, while we do have an incredible curriculum, we do have maybe some beautiful facilities, other pieces, those are supporting pieces to our culture. Because if we can build that, that type of a culture of excellence, truly, and we use that term authentic excellence to say, it's, it's not just something we say, it's, and we put it on the website. Cause by the way, I think it's close to 95% of schools use the term excellence on their website, either <laughs> in their mission statement or their, or their other supporting statements or brand proposition. If we're going to be authentically excellent, right? Then it's got to be true day to day, person to person, classroom to classroom, right? It can't, can't drop off when I go from one classroom to the next. It's got to be, it's got to be consistent. When I go to the athletic field, when I go into the arts studio, when it's got to be excellent, right? And, and we, de- we get to define that. We get to define what we mean by excellent, but, but we have to have an authenticity to what we, who we say we are and how we behave because that's the secret stuff. If you go back to good to great, right? Jim Collins, really a, a very well-researched pathway to greatness, or again, using the school terminology, excellence, right? There is a pathway, but it's, it's really actually quite, it's, it's quite easy. It's just a kind of a three-step process of disciplined people, disciplined thinking, disciplined action, right? But there are significant constraints on school leaders in that journey. And, and so it, again, it's a known pathway, but taking it requires a significant level of courage and discipline. Everybody wants a secret sauce. Everybody wants a silver bullet, right? That, that they can kind of go to and say, you know, if we just do this, we'll, you know, it's, it, this is just like spiritual growth. If you want to grow in your relationship with Christ, Mitchell, what do you do? Well, you pray, you go to worship, you, you, you tithe, you, you, you fast, you, you, you study your, your Bible, right? I mean, there's, it's not, it's not a mystery. <laughs> if you want to discipline your body, what do you do? Well, you, you work out, you, you get your steps in, you eat healthy, you get your rest. These are known disciplines. It's, it's, there, there's no mystery here. Well, the same thing is true in schools. If you want to grow a school, if you want to do it in a way that is authentic, there is a pathway, but it's disciplines. You have to learn the discipline of leadership capacity, how to build the right team. You have to learn the disciplines of organizational health, how to create a healthy organization that is vibrant and that trusts each other because trust is the oxygen of a school. And then you have to develop the disciplines of continuous improvement. You got to learn, you got to grow, you got to figure it out. You got to solve hard problems together. Hmm. It's just disciplines. Man, solid stuff. I feel even weird asking you this final question because I feel like I just got a piece of advice already. But Scott, if you were to share one piece of advice as we wrap up the episode for the school leaders listening, what would that piece of advice be? 
Yeah, love the job and love the people. I mean, it's it's love them and lead them. I mean, I really would. That's that is something that there are there are many who approach this work with a drudgery, and and they 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 come at it with as just a, perhaps a job. Love the work, embrace it. You know, figure out a way to 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 rediscover your joy and your enthusiasm for it because you can't give what you don't have. It's very difficult to be able to, to lead schools and to give them a passion for learning and even, and even for learning truth and, and, and learning about a relationship with God when you're, you're lacking in that joy yourself. Mm. It, it doesn't become contagious. And so find the joy, find the love, uh, you know, if either, you you begin hanging around people who have it. Sometimes it's contagious, right? And then, or you you find organizations that have discovered some of that and figure it out, right? Pray, ask God to give it to you. Get, pray for that wisdom, but 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 don't lose your fire because it makes such a difference to the educators that you're that are in your sphere of influence and the families that are part of your school. Love it. Scott, man, you are very well versed in what you do. You're super well spoken. I love what you're doing. Love how you're helping these schools grow. Obviously, Thank that's you. exactly what your your business name is. So, wishing you nothing but the best as you continue to do that with you and your team. And would love Thank to hopefully get together in person one day. Grab a cup of coffee. I could just pick your brain for hours upon hours. Right. It'd be easy peasy. So. Let's do it. Uh, Thank you for taking time to be on the podcast today, my friend. I appreciate it. My privilege. All right. Thanks, Mitchell. Well, another huge shout out and a thank you to Scott for taking time and being on the podcast today. I love what he's doing over at School Growth. He's doing some amazing things for schools and I'm wishing him nothing but the best as he continues to do that. And if you guys haven't, go check out his website, schoolgrowth.com. There's a, an email newsletter you can sign up for that comes out every Monday for his stuff that will give like an encouraging word for you as a school administrator. So go sign up for that. Now we have some great ways to connect with us and our team here at School Success. So Please go to our website, schoolsuccessmakers.com. There's a newsletter you can sign up for in the top right called the School Success Report. It's got some great articles. We're going to have some sweet giveaways and some different cool things we're going to launch uh, later in the year. So make sure you don't miss out on that School Success Report on our website, schoolsuccessmakers.com. Also, our private Facebook community, completely free. Go join that. It's called School Success Makers. I'm personally in there on Facebook. would love to see you in there in our community as well. If you guys have any comments, suggestions, ideas, or things that you would like to see us talk about on the podcast or different guests we'd like to have, we'd like us to have on, please let us know that as well. You can send us a message on our contact form on our website, schoolsuccessmakers.com, and let us know. And if you've been loving the content, we'd love a five-star review and to share it on social, tag us. We'd love to interact and comment back and maybe reshare you guys on our profiles as well. Would be greatly, greatly appreciated. And I think that's it. I think that's all I got. So guys, we'll be back here next week with another amazing guest as usual on the School Success Podcast. We'll see you then.